0: So when you call up that shriek in Beverly Hills, you know the one, that Dr. Think will be all right. Consider asking the moment to your time, just ask how much of your mind, baby. Because in this life, things are much harder than the afterworld. This life, you're on your Welcome into the WEI Celtics podcast recap of that awful, atrocious Game 2 against the Atlanta Hawks. And preview of Game 3 with the Celtics coming back down 2-0. Joined as always, or not as always, he's awoken from the gutter. I'm, back. I'm alive. Jared Weiss from CLNS Radio and host of the Garden Report. I am Sam Packard. You can find me on Twitter at Sam nba Jared, I always forget your uh, handle. So it is
1: at CLNS underscore Jared Weiss, and CLNS Radio is powering the WEI Celtics podcast. It's the leaning online re- provider of audio video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Go to clnsradio.com, and you can listen to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, and the CLNS Radio mobile app, and of course on weei.com. So subscribe in all those places. Today's interview with Christopher Forsberg, I would have said your middle name, but I don't know what it is off the top of my head, is brought to Warren. you. What is it? Warren. Warren. Christopher Warren Forsberg. thats He's named after oh, Warren okay. G. Hardin, his favorite, his father's favorite president, right? Actually, it's named after Warren G. I was about to make that joke, goddammit. All <laughs> right, so the interview is brought to you by SeatGeek, the best ticketing app anywhere to buy and sell sports and concert tickets as they never try to sneak in huge fees like I would at checkout. So get a $20 rebate off your first ticket purchase, download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab tag and enter the promo code Celtics beat. That's right. I'm using a code from Arrival Podcast, but damn it. We that's got Chris how much Forsberg love, on. Love C- <laughs> We're doing it. You know what? We, sh- we share the love at CLNS Radio, and Chris Forsberg, let's get some love going here for you. Thank you for joining us here to talk about, got to say, one of the best three quarters the Celtics has played against the Hawks this year, and then the worst first <laughs> quarter that they've played ever.
2: They played them even the last three, so, you know, in my book, that's a win.
1: No moral victories when
0: you're in the playoffs. Uh, we talked about it uh, just a couple days ago after game one. Why did the Celtics come out and play so poorly? It Just to start I, games, it makes no sense.
2: It makes no sense whatsoever. Like, you know, and, and I've, I've heard some people say, well, that's on Brad, and Brad's got to, like, whip them into shape and scream at them or give their pregame speeches. I don't know what, like, what he's supposed to do. Uh, but people are, I believe, that falls back on the coach. And there's some truth to that. Like, the team comes out routinely flat. You know, you gotta do something. You gotta shake something up and, and, and get them out of the, that old rooms. But uh, it's kind of crazy. Like I don't know what he can do. Like part of me said, you, you guys know they do shoot arounds at home in the afternoon, like four o'clock on a 7:30 game. And so you know, there's there's a thought. Well, maybe they they shake some cobwebs then, and they're a little bit sharper to start of games. But this this first quarter, first half troubles is not exclusive to these terrific games That dates back to that stretch at home. Clearly themselves down to the fifth seed, so it's uh, it, it it defies a little bit of logic, and I think the New York reaction is to shake things up a little bit, and I, I'm I'm always kind of leery of that. But that being said, when we've seen that the starting five they trotted out there for the first two games
1: is isn't working,
2: and we go small three minutes in, like uh, I'm wondering if, if we'll see it a bit quicker uh, tomorrow night in Game Three.
1: Chris, you're raking up a little, so if you could step out of the bathtub. I know, obviously, you do all your interviews from the bathtub. Rubber duck is always going to be at arm's reach. Um, but so, do the Celtics. i mean, I know Steve Clifford, was it last night or two nights ago, said that the media loves to talk about adjustments, but sometimes it's, it really just is one team can't shoot and one team can't shoot. That seems to be part of the issue here. But as a media member, do you think the Celtics should change the starting lineup maybe probably pointing the finger at moving Jared Solinger to the bench and moving an, uh, either Evan Turner into the starting lineup or maybe even Jonas Jurebko up to the four.
2: Yeah, I absolutely do. And, and, and I, I, I'm the last one that thinks you make a reactionary move. I just think when you get into these series like this and Hawks are playing the same team, and we now have six games worth of data from the season that just show this team really struggles in a traditional lineup to play against this Hawks team. And if you're gonna go to it at, at three minutes in, why not just start the game there and prevent yourself from doing it when you fall down 11-2 or you know 24-3 or whatever it was the other night? I am I, you know, in favor because of you know, the, 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 what we, the small samples we have of these guys together. I, I would probably be in favor of moving Solinger just because he's in a you know a bit of a funk here, a late season funk. Move him to the bench, bring Jarebko on. Uh, you still got some versatility there, you still got some size, because people forget Jurepko's like a sneaky 11, and you get some shooting, and now things get maybe a little bit easier for Isaiah, and maybe you get some offense at the start of games, and you don't disrupt the bench too much, because you still have that in there, uh, to, to shoulder the load, and, and run that, that offense, and maybe Sully comes in, and, uh, and, and playing as the reserve unit can, can actually make his, his impact felt, and uh, I, I it, it, it's not ideal, but, now, again, I think something's got to change after you start that way two times in a row. I mean, you could go back to that well a third time, but what is it if it doesn't work again? Now you're, all of a sudden you're down 3-0 and, you know, you're throwing darts anyway. So uh, I, I, I wonder if we'll see a switch. Now, the problem is with any with any of these moves, is is Kelly Olinick going to be healthy enough to be out there? Because if he's not out there to kind of replace the shooting that Jarebko might give you on that second unit, then that becomes a little bit more difficult. Then maybe you think about Evan or or some other move there. Uh, I don't know if any of this is ideal, but you got to do something.
0: Chris, you buried the lead there with your f- tremendous hashtag. Start the Swede. I feel like you <laughs> could have you went on for three minutes, but all you need was three words. It, it yeah, seems yeah, that's true. It seems kind of obvious that that. Is the what the Celtics need to do, we saw the within two minutes of game two, they're down 21-3 and Brad immediately decides to go small. At this point, do you think the Celtics have a, any shot of winning the series, even if they actually do go small and all the adjustments work? Do you think they can sustain that for four straight victories against the Hawks?
2: Yeah, it, it, it's daunting, right? I mean, I know people want to say that the series doesn't begin until the home team loses and, and all that stuff, but like, you know, I'm I know past history doesn't influence future results, but it's pretty daunting when you look at, I think, 94% of series that were 2-0, and with the, the, the winning team uh, taking that series, and um, I mean, I don't know if anyone's ever come back from 3-0, and, and so like, the, the Celtics' odds are long. I guess, you know, we're looking at ETI today, and it's said 17% chance right now, and like that's actually higher than I would have thought. That being said, I, I don't know if if anything we've seen in this series inspires too much confidence that the Celtics can put together four consistent quarters, and with all the injuries, like it it, it stinks that in a way that the storylines have essentially been dominated by injury because it's probably the last thing you want to talk about. We were joking with some of the Hawks writers down there. They're like, oh, you know, what's the storyline today? We're like, well, for us, every day it's been Bradley or you know checking in on Olynyk and hey how Mark Smart busted his hand and jammed a finger the first game and then. Gets hit in the ribs in game two, uh, you know. I think it's the ribs. Jay's got the ankle. It feels like everybody on this team. And I know that's not exclusive to, to, to like the Celtics in the playoffs, but it's uh, just it just kind of stinks that the team went through this entire year so healthy, maybe had one guy out at a time, uh, to now sort of uh, really kind of grasping with with so many injuries.
1: So R.J. Hunter played defense, and it didn't go so well. I mean, Brad Brad Stevens played R.J. Hunter 67 minutes after the all-star break in what was, what, like 35 games or so? The guy has barely played in the NBA, NBA over the past few months. I was really concerned that Hunter wasn't getting any minutes and that Rogier only started getting minutes once Crowder was out with injury and they needed him to start playing. But they he's putting in guys guarding some one of the best backcourts in the league and these are guys that have barely even played defense in the NBA. I think Rogier did a pretty decent job, but he still gets lost a lot of the time. And Hunter, they want him out there to spread the floor, and they're just hoping that he'll hit a three finally because nobody on the team is doing it. But his defense was such a mess, and Stevens was so upset with them. It's it's kind of hard to see him playing anymore in this next game. What do you see as the prognosis for the rookies playing more defense in the series?
2: If, if if we were on Facetime now, you just see me nodding throughout <laughs> your whole little, little soliloquy. Yeah, uh, I don't. You know, like, but that's that's where they're at. Like, what other choice do, do they have? I mean, I know they, we, we've talked to, to Brad about whether they'd extend minutes, and he's like really leery of that because you know, what, what people probably maybe don't know is that they've had this Australian sports science guy they brought in this year, and he's sort of been tracking how guys respond and like, what's their max minute output, what's, when, when do they thrive most, and I think they've kind of determined that, especially because the Celtics tend to struggle at the end of games. They want guys with the most juice possible and so if that means trying to limit Isaiah's minutes so that he's, he's he's got some juice left at the end, they're going to do that, and, and the same goes with Crowder, and then you, you know, throw into the the, the the wrinkle of all these injuries, you almost have to have some guys that can just at least step up and play a couple minutes, and so, you know, I, I agree, Rozier's been been good in spots, he gives you a little bit of rebounding, you know, most of his points have come in, in the fourth quarter in trash time, so that's not giving you much of a scoring boost. And, and I guess that's what you really need right now. And, you know, like you said, R.J. is hardly played. It's almost not fair that these guys are being thrust into, into a big role. But I thought, you know, Brad said something really, really like that caught my attention today is I think he understands. Like, listen, you know, okay, let's say they they just totally crap out in the series and they get swept. Like, what are, the, what are the silver linings? And I guess the one thing you can say is that you probably didn't expect to get these young guys, Marcus, R.J., uh, Terry, they're all under 22, and they're getting valuable playoff minutes. So that'll help you down the road. That's not going to help anything right now, but at least they're getting their feet wet in that regard and so maybe you hope for better things down the road. But I don't know. You know, that It's just the hand they've been dealt right now, and they have kind of going to make the most of it. Uh, you got to hope those rookies uh, get, get comfortable quickly.
0: All right, one of the major stories, at least in my opinion, is that Isaiah Thomas – well, again, not a sentence – Isaiah Thomas is – inability to score points uh against this hawks defense and i can't tell if it's the hawks doing a great job of kind of trapping him and packing the pain i guess has been the the main uh phrase we're using now or is he more hurt than he lets on and he doesn't have the same exact uh touch he had because we've really seen him struggle ever since he took that that big fall against the bucks on the i think it was the last friday of the regular season so, is, do you think it's more of an injury problem or more of a Isaiah's inability to beat the defense? Because if he can't beat a defense in the playoffs, that's kind of problematic moving forward. If you ever hope to, you know, win a championship, you're going to have to play in the playoffs.
2: <laughs> but win a championship? How about win a game? Like when you're one offensive guy, like the guy who, who pretty much shoulders your offense is, is struggling as much as he is. And I do think it's a little bit of both. I do think he certainly got that 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 wrist is probably not feeling great and he's admitted as, as much uh i do think there's a lot to it is, is that the hawks are pretty good like i i know that that it's probably floated under the radar for for much of the, the second half of the year but they were the best defense in the league and it was kind of by far uh, even ahead of the spurs while surging up to number two overall for the year um i mean listen they came with a great game plan like it's been really not that complicated load up the paint make the celtics shoot and the celtics have been a terrible jump shooting team this year well in stretches, they've done it well, but you know, in, in general, they they haven't been been great. They haven't been a, a, the effective field goal percentage. I think was what twenty in the league or something like that. So, uh, they're they're challenging the Celtics to shoot, and with the fact that Isaiah can't get to the to the basket and create, and can't loosen things up, uh, and the fact that others aren't knocking down jump shots, so they can just load up on Isaiah, uh, has made things problematic. And so, I definitely think they're that guys are pressing like. You know, it's only natural when you're down 11 to two or 24 to three that you're going to start to freak out if a layup doesn't fall, and that's going to throw you off a little bit. Uh, I don't know if there's any easy solution to that, and I know they're, they they kind of talk like they're hopeful that being back at home for games three and four will 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 make that a little bit easier, and that you know maybe uh, some home support makes it a uh, takes away the sting if you do struggle out of the gates a little bit, but uh, it is problematic. I mean. If Jay Crowder was knocking down as many shots as he usually does, if you had Avery out there, if Smart could give you consistent offense, I mean, if anybody could just kind of step up and, and give you a little bit of offense, it, it might not be as bad for Isaiah. But I think there are times when people are just looking at him like, all right, fix this. And I just don't know if he, can, if he can do that on his own against a team like this.
1: You know, and you bring up Marcus's scoring, that's been kind of horrifying to watch. He is making really nice moves to get into the paint, but once he gets his foot planted in the middle of the paint, he pretty much just always goes up trying to score on top of these guys. He's going up against two of the best defenders at going up straight and not committing a foul in the league in Horford and Millsap, and he is. Blo- it's, it's not working every single time. He's not drawing the fouls. He's kind of doing his his kind of his, uh, signature shot of leaning back where he's almost lying down in midair and throwing up a floater, <laughs> but he's not getting the foul call, and none of those shots are going in. So at what point does Smart have to just stop driving to shoot and start driving to kick?
2: I don't know. Like, who's he kicking to? Like, you want him to kick it out, R.J.? Or, like, I, I, that's the hard part, is that it's probably good that he's kind of getting to the basket and doing pretty well in the pick and roll, but... Yeah, he's he, like if if I'm a Celtics, I would take the whole summer. And I don't know if there's like a John Gruden football camp or like somebody like like get a, get some veteran layup line to, to sponsor like how to finish in traffic. And, and Marcus needs to go do that. And, like I, I figure his, his, his long range shooting will work itself out over the course of his career. He's showing that that's going to happen eventually, but he's got to know what to do at the rim and and learn how the fact that when he's going up against guys like Horford and Millsap, how to finish. um the, the one thing I'll go back to, and I know people are like, people love this roller coaster with Marcus, and mostly it's down, and people are just like so down on him. And I know it's easy to look at a boss score and say, oh, one a nine, what, why do they even have, have him in there? Uh, if you look at the, at the individual defensive numbers, Marcus is holding his, his opponent to like 23% shooting. He's firing away the best defender on the team uh, during the playoffs, and that's got to count for something. Like, the only reason the Celtics are in some of these games is because their defense has been so good and given them a chance to at least make a rally when they're – the fact that they're not hitting any shots. So I don't think people should just give up. I mean, you got to look at it. It's a two-way game. I know the, the one way right now the Celtics are, are really bad, but they have been really good defensively, and that's probably the only silver lining to all of this is, like, if they can get the offense going just a little bit, you've got to feeling like, hey, this is the defense we're, we're pretty familiar with. We know what they can do. When they play defense like that, and Smart is just a huge part of that. And, and even the second half of Game One, when Marcus was making some baskets, like he was phenomenal. Besides that boneheaded foul at the end of the, at the end of the end of the, of the game, he was uh, he was spectacular, and he's at least given you a chance.
0: I think the whole team has had str- uh, struggle going to the paint. I think we saw in the first half of the uh, Game Two, they were like what two of twenty-four at the rim. So when you're playing done, against yeah.
2: one, one of twelve in the first quarter, I mean it was it was bad.
0: I mean, Al Horford, and I've really been impressed by Paul Millsap's ability to protect the rim, and just as someone who's only watched him for four games this season, I was kind of blown away. Um, but on the other end, you bring up a good point that the the Celtics have been playing excellent defense, especially on Millsap. Everyone kind of pointed at him as the key to this series, uh, but really Jay Crowder on a bum ankle has been doing a, a fantastic job against him, It's but it's really been the Celtics' kind of inability to slow down Jeff Teague. And as I like to call him, Kurt Bazemore, I don't know why, (laughs) I just have it in my head that his name's Kurt. It feels
1: more natural, doesn't it? It just
0: feels, he's Kurt Bazemore. But it's really been the Celtics' inability to kind of stop uh, the drive and penetration of the guards, which is kind of surprising given you think that would be their strength given their personnel.
2: Yeah, they need the Bays less, right? (laughs) Am I right? Yeah! Uh, We got jokes. Uh, I, I agree, like... It's funny now to look back at the trade deadline when there was all that Teague chatter. It almost felt like the Hawks were just like, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll move on. We got—I I keep I, the one I always failed to pronounce, Scroter, Schroeder, Scrutels, whatever they want to call them. Uh, Mohawk Rondo out there is uh, it, 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 those. Those they felt like it was they were just willing to hand the reins to him at some point. And now you see Teague having as much success as he has in the playoffs, and it's like, whoa! Like, why were they? Why were they even maybe considering that? And you guess you could throw Horford in the same breath. Uh, you forget how good these Hawks are when they have all their pieces and all of them are playing to their strengths. I think that's the scary thing. Like, we've seen it. Like, Corver didn't have a great game one, gave a chance, the Celtics a chance to come back when he missed those shots, has a great start to game two, and the Celtics really dug themselves that hole because Corver's making all those threes. Um, I, I don't know if there's an. If, my, my fear is that Millsap's going to get going at some point you know, Crowder's done a great job but there's only so much that one defender can do. And as good as the Celtics defense has been, it feels like even if one of the Hawks has a bad night, someone else is stepping up whereas on the Celtics, like that was part of their success during the season. It felt like Isaiah was the, 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 the guy who could put everybody on his shoulders, but you were getting balanced contributions from Avery and Jay and, you know, Solinger when he was when he was effective and so I don't know. They they, they need to find a way to put some pressure on these hawks i mean i think they've led for 91 minutes of the of the, of the game so far i mean that's uh that's a tough to, to that's a tough spot to put yourself in and uh i don't know if there's any answer but yeah jay's been great i the, 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 i guess the other silver lining the defense as a whole but jay on one bum ankle has been able to hold um Bill down to like two of 11 or something like that from the floor uh they they need that to continue in in, in order to have any chance
1: all right, you hear that sound? That is the sound of the WEEI Celtics podcast tweet bag opening up. Use hashtag oh. WEEI Celtics. You can have brilliant basketball minds like Christopher Warren Forsberg Warren. answering your questions. The first question here comes from a very, very special human being in my life. Ben Rohrbeck of WEEI in Yahoo's Ball Don't Lie asks – how many cheeseburgers can Jared Solinger eat in one sitting? Hard-cutting basketball questions here.
2: So, like, I feel like it. Like, we we're poking fun at the guy when he's kicking him when he's down. But, I mean, if we're being honest, I mean, it's going to be a pretty good number. If Kelly Olenek can take down a double-stuffed burrito in four <laughs> bites, then the biggest dude on the team can do some work with some cheeseburgers. I'll put it this way. Uh, since I was a fat kid, I can – I could joke about it. Like, my dad would take me to, to McDonald's, and this probably wasn't the best parenting, but whatever. I was hungry. And we would be like, we would just order 12 cheeseburgers, you know, because they're little. They're so tiny. There's nothing to those McDonald's cheeseburgers. That's and the, I'm that's top the top
0: important top. question is what kind of cheeseburgers are we talking about? Because if a it's a McDonald's yeah. one, then it's a, a high, high number. I'm saying over 30. But if it's like a big Bartley's burger <laughs> or something— I think Sully could put down 30
1: single cheeseburgers from McDonald's. I think that's absolutely is an realistic.
0: Third number.
1: Yeah, but think about how big Jared is. Think about how much he works out on a daily basis and still maintains the weight he is. I think he's got to be able to throw down 20, maybe even 30.
2: Well, I think we got an idea for an off-season podcast like you know even if it's just us seeing how many we can we can put down, I think we need to just at least test this and then we'll just like double it or whatever. I,
1: I want to have a Jared versus Jared burger eat off. I think that that would be great. <laughs> I'll get the I'll get the bottle of Coke or the the cup of Coke ready. I'll be dipping, slide and dipping, slide and right down the gullet.
2: Perfect. And we we'll could seek Geek the sponsor the whole thing. <laughs> uh,
1: use, <laughs> use the code dying from cheeseburger this <laughs> for a $20 rebate. All right, next question. All right, uh,
0: we've gotten to answer a lot of these questions, but uh, my next one is, what is Chris Forsberg's favorite Prince song? A. What do you think a. Brad Stevens' favorite Prince song is? B. <laughs> and will you be willing to ask him that question tomorrow
1: at pregame? It, C. And let's uh, be clear, uh, Sam Packard on Twitter asked this question. Yeah, this was <laughs> in my own, my
0: own uh, brain.
2: <laughs> That's totally legal. Like, I, you know, We used to do the ESPN Boston mailbag. And I, I hate to break anyone's heart, but some of those questions just, like, came from my friends. Like, I'd email them and say, hey, send me this question."
1: Oh, uh, you haven't uh, even heard from Seafoam Jones yet. <laughs> yes. Made best BFF of the show, Seafoam Jones.
2: <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to start with the second part. I think Brad uh, would definitely go for Let's Go Crazy. And I think he blasted at, like, 11 um, when he, like, calmly walks into the house or something like that. And after a big win, um, he just goes nuts and dances all around the house. And, um me? I don't know. You know what? I just actually watched, uh, I, I, because I have, I have 100,000 channels like everybody else on their cable provider, and I just realized, like, we have VH1 Classic, which used to be, like, the, I, the only time I can remember watching VH1 Classic was when I was on a JetBlue flight, because back in the day, there was, like, a lot of less channels, and you could catch, like, a pop-up video marathon, and it was awesome, and it made a flight go by super quick. Well, they had pop-up video with Prince, and it was just amazing. Like, Every video had just the craziest story, and, I mean, the guy's a legend, and I love it. Um, my favorite song, you know, my kids like starfish and coffee. I don't know if you guys know that one. It's like kind of like a kid-ish kid-like song, but it's, uh, uh, it, it's a jam, and uh, you should
0: check it out. How old were you when Purple Rain came out? I'm sorry to date you, but we're, it's
2: no, 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 no you, can, you can definitely date it. So, like,
1: it he wasn't it, even that, born yet.
2: No, I was. I, I was definitely born. Uh, I know you guys weren't born. Show off. Um, but... <laughs> I can absolutely remember uh, my aunt Debbie is maybe the biggest Prince fan. Like I had to, I had to do a health check on her tonight because I was worried that the news would would send her into a spiral. And uh, you know, I, I know she's taking it pretty hard, but she had like, I mean, I mean, we're going back to cassettes and stuff like that. But I mean, they had everything laying around. I feel like every time I went to my grandmother's house while while she was there, it was it was Purple Rain or Bust. Uh, if the, the the best the quintessential Prince moment is, and I don't, I'm certainly not the first one to point this out though is 2004 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction. You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. My guitar gently weeps, and my <laughs> Prince does everything except light his guitar on fire at the end while, while shredding. I and mean, Tom Petty's just sitting there like, whoa, Prince tearing it up. That, that, is, that was pretty cool. And the halftime, like the halftime at the Super Bowl. I know people don't, don't love that one. A uh, little indulgent, but, like, I mean, come on. Uh, after some of the halftime shows we've seen at, at, at Super Bowl, like, Prince owned that one.
0: I'm really upset because we haven't seen a love sign emoji yet, and I feel like, <laughs> come on, it's so it's so easy. Why? I guess Prince wouldn't probably lend that to Twitter, but it feels like the best way to honor him was to be use that purple emoji. It's been very yeah, disappointing.
2: We see it like it, when the All-Star game, they came up with that special use, the hashtag NBA All-Star game, or Isaiah Thomas 4, and the, the little jersey popped up. Like, Twitter should, and, and, and I don't know if the business side of me is thinking, like, monetize it somehow, and obviously that would be a little bit difficult, but... Uh, when you get a bajillion people tweeting about Prince, like, maybe find a hashtag and, and, and uh, take advantage of that.
0: All right, Chris, we'll get you out of here on this one last question. I think it's very important. Um, have you ever purified yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka?
2: <laughs> I have not. Um, is, is it a purifying experience, though?
0: Uh It absolutely is. When um, Prince leaves his, I believe it was vanity, in the movie Purple Rain, uh He drives her there and tells her to do that and then uh, just drives away in a motorcycle. And it's probably one of the funniest.
2: Yeah, that that part I can see. The the better question would have been, have you ever driven away in a motorcycle? Uh,
0: (laughs) Have you ever deserted uh, someone at the banks of the Lake (laughs) Minnetonka, I guess is the most important uh, question.
2: So while I have not bathed, I have deserted someone. uh, But no, like uh, next road trip to Minnesota.
0: Next time they play the Timberwolves, the
1: entire Celtics beat will have to go yeah. to the waters of Lake Minnetonka. KG will take you all in his motorcycle and his giant sidecar and then leave you all there to purify yourself. Actually, uh, at Perk is a beast on the Twitters asked, uh, how many Celtics players do you think know who Vanity is? That's a that's a really tough one. I'm guessing <sighs> one or two that must. T-
2: I mean, they, I mean, we're talking, so let's see. I mean, Avery Bradley, well, let, Avery Bradley isn't the he's longest tenured, but I mean
0: Evan I'm and sure Avery that. are the only ones older than us I think. Yeah. Oh, and man. Jonas Jurebko. Zirko
2: Jurebko, 28, Amir's 28 I think or 29. I mean they're all under 30 so roll that back. 86. I mean it's pretty close. Oh man. Uh, this, this, now you guys are depressing me with how old i am jesus christ i thought i was always young
1: chris you look great for a 30 year old um damn
2: right and i use emojis like i'm a 12 year old exactly
1: <laughs> you know how the <laughs> youth speak you invented the train emoji all right thanks to off the bench uh bailey j bales 96 sam sheehan for all your questions that we just kind of asked her in the interview without giving you credit so you guys can all get credit there was uh, there a
2: hot dog question
1: oh yeah yes. this is a big important question Red hot dogs or brown hot dogs? Because I
0: have real strong feelings about this, but I'll let you go first, and wow. hopefully you pick the wrong one so I can judge you.
2: Okay. Um, I will admit I had to Google because I wasn't sure, like, what the damn difference was. Uh, I grew up here in Worcester, and we have two, like, world-famous hot dog spots, but they're more known for their toppings than necessarily the, the frank that they use. So, like, I mean, I understand, and, and maybe this is all the Maine people want to get all red snapper on me, but, I mean, I don't think it matters, so go ahead and tell me why I'm
0: wrong. No, you're absolutely, Oh well, no, you're you're just ignorant to the issue of how gross red hot dogs are. Oh. I went to school <laughs> in Maine and wad to watch for four years. I still am up in Portland, Maine, quite a bit. That's where my girlfriend lives, and I just watch people eat these gross, just, <laughs> foul-looking, a, red, like candy hot dogs, and they're absolutely <laughs> obscene, and I hate them, and anyone who eats them is lesser in my book, and it's absolutely terrifying to know that anyone puts them in their mouth.
1: That's it. I'm walking out on the show. I can't take this anymore. I cannot sit here with the red <laughs> what, what, hot dog hating what, what man. If, what, what if Chris, if, I love you. Thank you. You man. knew he was going to pin something on that, like, oh, I can't take
2: any more Jonas Jurevko's talk. I'm <laughs> Jared had a previous engagement, everybody.
0: But red uh, hot dogs are absolutely gross. I'm not a big hot dog guy to begin with. I think it's mostly squirrel meat in a in a tube. But if you're going to add artificial red food coloring to it, I'm completely I don't out. I think they
2: do though. I, I thought I thought the, the deal with the red snapper is that it's like a natural casing, and it's actually that's why people are so high and mighty about it is that it's like supposed to be better than whatever mm-hmm. synthetic wraps they put on.
0: Oh, I haven't wow. done anything to bother learning about it. I'm going purely based on the visual alone, and uh, I hate well, it.
2: Well. What what I think what we tr- what we uh, strive to do here on the WEI Celtics podcast is educate, and if that's on food items or Celtics defense, like I think we're just here to help people. But uh, what you need to do, and I completely agree. Like now I'm I'm kind of freaked out, and I want to kind of just drive to Maine and go see a Red Claw's game and eat a Red Hot Dog and just see what it's like. But uh, if you're ever in the Worcester area, come, there's a place called Hot Dog Annie's in Lester. They have this barbecue topping that is out of this world. They'll put it on your natural cayenne Frank, and you'll uh, you'll not be able to go anywhere else. You can also check out Coney Island in Worcester. How much on-
0: money did Hot Dog Annie get you to throw <laughs> this plug in,
2: <laughs> dude? Hot Dog Annie's is legendary. Bring it up around. I mean, no, not Bill Doyle. Bill Doyle doesn't really know about Hot Dog Annie's, but. Like, it's a Worcester landmark, and just on the outskirts of Worcester, by the way, lovely Leicester, Massachusetts. And uh, it's a little shack, and it's been open for like 100 years, and it's won awards from everybody, at least that's what the wall says. So uh, you definitely need to come check it out. Well, it's, it's another off-season adventure. After we do all of our cheeseburger eating contests, you guys can come to Worcester and see how many hot dogs for put down.
0: That sounds like a a, a perfect off season uh, opportunity for us, Chris. You uh, you never answer the question whether or not you are asking Brad about his favorite Prince song, <laughs> so I guess it falls on my shoulders. Uh, so everyone can li- listen and hear what he says tomorrow. But thank you. And
2: we all know that 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 you are the only one with the the. the, the Balls to step up and ask those tough questions. It's,
0: and it's not even I, I the balls, cool. it's just that I feel like I don't care anymore. At the start of the season I didn't want to like get in the real reporter's way and so I wouldn't ask the dumb things, but I feel like I got a couple games left, why not?
2: Yeah, you know, and sometimes and, and, and to like tip the curtain for people a little bit, is like some of these sessions can be sort of monotonous, right? Like some of them questions. <laughs> Like every question, oh, how's Avery? how's Kelly? Like, what do, what do you think about being down two? Oh, like what? Sometimes I sit there and think, what is it? What do you think? He's just gonna snap one day and, and give you a, a really, you know, hock-sock kind of answer. No, you know, you kind of know what you're gonna get from Brad. I do, especially with Doc. We used to be able to throw like real curveballs at him, and he would be able to, you know, throw something back at us. Um, not that Brad can't. I just don't think we we necessarily quiz him as much he's on, belichickian uh, in
0: his ability to deal with the media at this point
2: point. <laughs> and mean, he's really he is good and he, he gets the occasional joke in there and i i appreciate that um i i do think some it. you know i felt bad uh there were, like a couple of years ago uh we he kept talking about his kids watching frozen and because my kids are just a little bit younger and uh, every time I went home, Frozen was on, I, I was kind of giving him grief, and he was saying that he hadn't watched it yet. And I felt like, how is that possible? My kids have watched it 642 times. Now, I'm not saying I ever sat down and watched it front to back, but it was just on enough that I eventually saw the entire movie. And so they, uh, they ended the season, and then we saw him at the, the draft combine. And I was like, oh, so would you uh a final take for us? He was like, oh, I haven't seen it yet. He's, <laughs>
0: like, he's watching too much game film to watch. Uh, and, to...
2: and, 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 I mean, that's why it, it almost made me appreciate it more because, you know, that's, Brad Stevens in a nutshell, where, you know, I don't, I 100% know he loves his children. We see Brady on the road, and he's he's a great dad. Uh, but if it's choices, Elsa and Anna, or, you know, it's figuring out how to better defend the pick and roll, you know, he's got that game film on, and uh, that bodes well for self defense.
0: That's why I think, uh, that's why I'm fearful of tomorrow, because I ask him, he's just going. I'm not going to have a prince uh, favorite Prince song, and then it's just going to be awkward I, you know for what? everyone. I, I, I think it's going to be just the
2: opposite. I think he's going to have some crazy story about, like, butler after their national title game bumped into prince at a party and they like rocked out all night and, you
0: know, prince brad brought him over to the paisley <laughs> palace after they went to two national championship games and just played a, a long concert for him and gordon hayward
2: <laughs> and brad woke up with like some crazy tattoo like of the symbol on his arm and had to get it removed like you know, i think there's a great prince brad stevens story that we just don't know about
0: prince uh, sent brad stevens doves after gordon hayward <laughs> was that shot <laughs> What do you think about what do you think about Jarebko's haircut? Was it you who was who was, was smack talking it? Uh, no, I'm i never really wanted to smack talk uh, Jarebko's hairdos. If I was going to smack talk anyone's hairdos, it'd be Marcus Smart and Jared Sollinger. I don't know how they've gotten this whole season with the wide hawk, but I like Jarebko's hair. I like really like anything he does because he's a, you know, he's, he brings that Euro style that no one else on the team has. Maybe it was Jimmy Toscano.
2: I think he was. It, that sounds hated. like more
0: of a Jimmy, uh, Jimmy yeah, move.
2: you know what? I don't know. I don't know how you can hate on the undercut. I really think Jerabko like one Gordon Hayward beard away from making the leap to, to
0: Dreamboat status. Making the leap? He's already. He's probably number one Dreamboat on the Celtics.
2: Well, I mean, but look at his competition. You just said like two guys with crazy mohawks. Like, I mean, that's you know, fair. Gigi around the challenge for that crowd.
0: That's fair. There's only, there's only, I guess there's only room in the Celtics' locker room, locker room for one European dreamboat, and uh, it's going to be Jonas by default.
2: And these are the important questions as we we prepare for Game Three.
0: Yes, we've the that's what the Celtics have done to us. They've thoroughly devolved into a discussion of uh, Frozen Prince and Jonas Rebko being a, a super hot Swedish stud.
2: And I think what we've we've learned from this whole experience is that the key to getting to the good podcast is getting Jared out of here.
0: I mean, it feels like it really, like, went really far up once we started talking about red hot dogs. So I would have to agree.
2: I think we it, we got to research this further. I'm now, now mightily intrigued by the, the red snapper, as they call it.
0: All right, Chris, thank you for uh, joining us and devolving into just an absolutely absurd conversation. You know I appreciate it, and I hope the listeners do, too.
2: I hope they do, too, and I can't wait to do it after game three. All right,
0: talk to you then. <laughs> See you, soon. Kiss. All right, big thanks to Chris Forsberg from ESPN Boston for joining us here on the WEEI Celtics Podcast. We'll be back after Game 3. Hopefully the Celtics can pull out a win and avoid another season-ending sweep in the first round of the playoffs. Again, my name is Sam Packard. You can find me on Twitter, at SamPackardNBA. If you haven't already, please... Listen to my podcast profile of Jay Crowder. It's my first long form piece and it's something that I'm working hard on and trying to get uh, more into long form moving forward. So I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can listen to it on Twitter, the WEEI app or the CLNS radio app. And again, we'll have another podcast after Game three, game four, however many games this series go, right here on the WEEI Celtics podcast.